Let's go in-depth on all things Hawkeyes. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Hey, Hawkeye fans, greetings, and welcome into tonight's somewhat somber edition of the Hawk Central Radio Show here on 106.3 KXNO. I am your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, leading the conversation of all things Iowa Hawkeyes from now until 7 o'clock tonight. We will review Iowa's final spring scrimmage uh, practice uh, that happened on Saturday at Kinnick Stadium. We'll look at the wide receiver transfer portal options and, of course, preview the NFL draft, which begins Thursday as this show rolls along. But the reason for the sadness tonight is that this is the final Hawk Central episode for a wonderful colleague at the Dewan Register, my friend and yours, Kennington Smith. Kennington, uh, what do you have to say for yourself? Yeah, um, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's definitely like you know, very like bittersweet. Obviously, um, you know, leaving the register and leaving Iowa um, two years ago today, almost this whole process got started of me kind of coming up here, taking mm-hmm. a visit, um, watching Iowa spring practice. It was eighty something degrees that day, so I was. I do um, remember. Me and uh, me and my parents. Uh, you were like the first person that we met out here. Went to breakfast, everything. We saw Coach Wallace at Pullman, yep. which was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy, crazy moment. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, it's just been like a great two years here. I really didn't know what to expect when I came here. Um, in my mind, I thought I was just gonna like come here and like go to work, come home, never go outside, never talk to anybody, not have much of like a social life or anything like that. But um, no, it's been great out here and. Um, I wasn't like actively looking to leave, but an opportunity arose that um, was just really, really hard to to pass up. So um, I'm excited for what's next, but also like I am sad that I'm leaving a lot of great people here in Iowa because um, it's a special place. And the love that I received from just like everybody on Twitter, from like fans, colleagues, coaches, was just like overwhelming. So. You know, all I have to say, other than sorry, is thank you for, for everything. <laughs> uh, it's been an awesome two years together, Kennington, and I'm so grateful that you chose to take a chance on Iowa as well and, and take a chance on this job. And uh, I'm really thankful for the time that we've had together. Uh, as much as you can, I guess, just fill in our folks uh, about what is next in your journey. I know you can't fill in all the details just yet, but I know it has to do with a Diet Coke and Nick Saban. Yeah, um, so Phil Parker kind of woge bombed me in last week's coordinator <laughs> availability. Like I was sitting there, I was like, "Wow, like this is what it feels like when players find out they got traded, like on Twitter or something like that, like before they could even have a chance to like say anything themselves." But um, I am going down to Alabama to cover Alabama football, and I'll be doing some SEC enterprise work as well. So, um, you know, I will be up close and personal with Nick Saban quite a lot in, in this new role. Um, like you said, I'm not really uh, at liberty at this moment to kind of say, you know, the who, what, where, why type of thing, but all of that will kind of come out in the mm-hmm. coming days. But, um, yeah, heading back down south two and a half hours from Atlanta, so I'll be closer to um, my folks, which is uh, which is nice, and I'm um, back in kind of the SEC country, which is um, obviously kind of where I grew up in my wheelhouse by nature. Mm-hmm. So exciting opportunity, and um, you know we kind of talked about this off air. It feels like in some way our futures are going to be intertwined in some way. We talk about maybe 
into the basketball tournaments or the playoff expansion in, in college football. So I don't think I've seen the, the last of Iowa. And uh, the the Diet Coke part was uh, Phil Parker. <laughs> uh, Kennington asked Phil Parker to put in a good word for him uh, with Nick Saban. And, and uh, Mr. Phil uh, responded, just bring him a Diet Coke, right? Set it on the podium. Right. And it was crazy because like, at spring practice on Saturday, he came up to me and he apologized. He was like, yeah, I'm sorry that I, I didn't know that I was like not supposed to be said. And I was like, no, it's not. He said, um, I can't remember if it was like a Diet Coke or a Coke that you should bring on. Oh, okay. It could be regular Coke. Okay. Yeah. Just bring a Coke Zero. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to have like, uh, it's going to be like my book bag is going to have a laptop and just like all the different types of Coke. (laughs) Orange vanilla Coke. Yeah. Just in case. Uh, yeah, you got to get that right, man. And I want a full report whenever you, whenever you get into Nick Saban's like mahogany office, I want the full report. All right. Yeah. Yeah, my mom told me, my mom was like, you know, we hear so much about his office and all the rings and everything. So that's like at the top of my um, to-do list. Other than doing a good job is like finding a way into the office, maybe get some like, you know, one-on-one time and um, just kind of see what it's all about inside the facility. No, really happy for you. And uh, we did want to take, you know, we've got a lot to talk about tonight regarding the Hawkeyes, but there are so many fans uh, out there that really loved, uh, and for good reason, you know, the everything you put into the beat over these two years. And I thought it would be fun to kind of relive some of uh, the highs and maybe even the lows kind of of your professional journey. Uh, here in Iowa, in Iowa City at the Des Moines Register. Uh, I still vividly remember, Kennington, our first real big assignment together, which was 2021 Big Ten Media Days. This was the first one after COVID, so it was, um, you know, obviously pretty separated, but I just remember, I'll never forget our first meal together. We went to the Eagle, got some fried chicken, some cornbread, and uh, I feel like uh, that was the perfect place to kind of kind of start our journey uh, together because, uh, you know, we ended up eating a lot of fried chicken together and being a lot of football stadiums together. So, uh, what are, uh, what are some of the, the fun memories, uh, that stand out to you or the, you know, some of the best, uh, I guess, professional coverage memories to you, uh, as you think back. Yeah. Well, first of all, shout out to the Eagle. Um, that <laughs> is like really, really, really good. And in, in Indianapolis, um, but it's actually kind of crazy. The first game that I covered with you was the Seahawks game in 2021, which at the time was hyped up to be the biggest, uh, game in the rivalry's history. And it was like a top 10 matchup. Cause I got that big one over Indiana in week one, mm-hmm. which I wasn't there for. Um, so that, that first game coverage. So like, you know, first deadline game or first, Post game presser with Kurt, you know, the ESPN being there, game day being there, the entire, um, you know, hype around it was like a crazy introduction into the beat. And then that spearheaded a rise to number two in the country, which the Penn State game has to be, you know, near the top of the list as well. Um, running through the crowd after the fans stormed the field and seeing I would get to number two in the country and then the big new kickoff. That was another like really huge game, national spotlight. Um, Iowa men's basketball winning the Big Ten championship that same calendar year yeah, or right. um, you know athletic year. So you know seeing seeing that was was definitely a high as well. Um, I'll go back to to football when Iowa won the Big Ten West. That was my first Thanksgiving in Iowa away from my my family. And you, for the fans that don't know this, you invited me to your house. Thanksgiving. So like I drove to your house in Des Moines, 
We had Thanksgiving dinner together, the whole nine. Then we got up the next morning, drove to um, Nebraska, and Iowa won the West in the flu game. The flu game, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about the flu part of it, yeah. And the Deuce Hogan comments, of course, but go ahead. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so it was just like the first year was just like a surreal experience because, again, I didn't know what to expect coming out in terms of if I was going to be, you know, covering major national stories or how good the athletic teams were going to be. Cause right. I didn't have that frame. I didn't have that frame of reference or of mind of who, who I had been in the past and what they were going to be in that first year of me being there, especially in basketball with coach Luca. And then all Keegan Murray did was have one of the greatest seasons ever and go top five in the draft. So um, that was another high as well. So, it's just been a lot. And I mean, we spent like all these minutes just talking about my first year. And then this past year with, you know, Caitlin Clark's ascension and um, going to wrestling meets, you know, going to Iowa Penn State and all of those things and like kind of seeing them rise as well. So it's just been like um, a really, really, really jam packed and exciting two years. Like I feel like I've seen um, some of the best of Iowa athletics in terms of them reaching pinnacles in like several different sports. Which is um, which was really like exciting, and um, I'm blessed to have been a part of that. You're listening to Hawks Central from the Des Moines Register and KXNO. I'm Chad Leistico talking reflections with the departing reporter of the Des Moines Register, Kennington Smith. Uh, yeah, Kennington, that Nebraska game that you mentioned, uh, the Nebraska football game. Of course, Iowa won the West the next day. And that was one of many times in your life where you had to rewrite stories on deadline. That was a kind of a running joke on our podcast, especially with this last Iowa basketball season. Of course, Iowa trailed that game 21 to six and then rallied uh, in Lincoln. Uh, loved uh, <laughs> uh, the, you know, thinking back to that big, the crazy Big Ten tournament run that you mentioned, it, also in Indianapolis. Indianapolis seemed to be a center. For, for a lot of our uh, journeys together. Uh, and then what happened next, Kennington? Uh, you know, a couple like, uh, you know, downside memories. Uh, maybe uh, like four days later, um, you showed up in Buffalo and uh, kind of forgot something. Yeah, my luggage. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that I don't think any, I don't think we've ever talked about that on like the, no. on like a public forum no. before. Um, yeah, I don't know how I did it. But I just like got in my car, drove to Des Moines, opened up my trunk, and there was nothing in there. I was like, "Wow, <laughs> this is crazy!" Um, especially because we had availability for the men's team the next morning, like early though, like at ten o'clock. So I had to find the only place that was open before ten, which was like a Target. So I went to Target and bought like clothes. Some of them didn't even fit, but I was on a time crunch and just figured it out from there. So that was definitely one of like the, the quote unquote lows um, on top of the fact that uh, I won the big 10 and then lost in the first round when they were projected to go on like the final four run. So that was just like a, a let down type of weekend. So that was one this past year. Yeah. Do you feel I like was, talking uh, about this Wisconsin game, this home Wisconsin game? Yeah. Okay. I, go for I it. Think, yeah. I think, um, you know, I'm at peace with it now. <laughs> But um, right, be- right before the Music City Bowl, I covered Iowa's overtime loss to Wisconsin at Carver. And I think I got food poisoning, but it didn't kick in until after the game. So we go through the game, post-game. I'm sitting there. I'm the only person left in Carver. And I am 
so sick. I literally walked down the stairs into the tunnel where the players run out, and I threw up in that bathroom five or six times before I could even get my story out. It was horrible. So then I had to walk up the Carver stairs, and if anybody's walked those, you know how much of a task that is. So I walked up the stairs, felt worse, got outside the arena, threw up again, and then got into my car and my um my car engine, my battery, my transmission, something went out. My car was out of commission. So um David Eichels, um, God bless him, he picked me up, took me back to the house. But my car was still in that lot where Media Parks and you know this Chad, like those are that's like not um that's not public parking. Right. You get tickets you get tickets for keeping your car there, you know, if it's not in a designated time. So I got back the next day to tell my car I had a ticket on my car. It was just like, it was horrible. So that was definitely one of like, I guess like a quote unquote low. And um, all the times my first year on the basketball beat where my flights got delayed, canceled, um, anything like that. There were several instances where something like that happened. So traveling in the Midwest during the winter is an extreme sport. I wish somebody would have told me that before I came out here. That was kind of like some information that was withheld to me until like, I guess everybody knew that I was going to be here. But when I got out here, it was like, okay, snow and weather and trying to catch a connector through O'Hara in Chicago. Like no one told me how difficult that was going to be. So I've had some crazy experiences as well, but you're not one trader for anything. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we kind of referenced it earlier. I mean, the fact that, it seems like your your journey here was pretty charmed. You, know, you covered Keegan Murray, the number four pick in the draft. You know, uh, you know, forged a nice relationship with the Murray family, and then just the you know Spencer Lee, Caitlin Clark. Uh, I, I feel like in these two years, you've really packed a lot of high level things in, and it's just crazy. Like that one year, you know, that Georgia, your you know your alma mater was number one in the country, and Iowa football was number two in that same week uh, back in, in 2021. Last thing, Kings, we've got to run in this segment, but just uh, what did what will you miss about Iowa the most? Um, probably the people. I think I've met, like, some super dope people, just like, obviously, yourself, everybody at the register. Um, I could – I wish I could name everybody, but we'll be here for a few segments naming everybody at the register, but, like, yourself, Dargan, who I worked with closely, obviously, Cody, Tommy, Alyssa, Raven, um you know, Carol, and then everybody on the beat, you know, David, Sean, Tom, Scott, um, John, Mike, um, hopefully I'm not, I'm not missing anybody else, but like the people, um, you know, everybody at Iowa and the fans, but fans were just like so nice. Like they showed me so much love from the beginning. They showed me love throughout and they, uh, you know, showed me love on my way out as well, um, which I really appreciate. So I just, uh, you know, really just like, again, I'm very appreciative for like how everybody just kind of like welcomed me into kind of this, um, you know, the culture and um, the bubble that is Iowa and the Midwest and, and really made it home for me. Cause you know, I don't have any you know friends, family out here before I'm, you know, before I moved here, it's isolated, it's away from home, super cold. I'm not going to miss that at all, <laughs> but uh, you know, the people here have kind of made it a home away from home. So I appreciate that a lot. Uh, I'll have my own uh, goodbye to Kennington later in the show, so stay tuned for that. But coming up next, we will dig into Iowa football's quest for a wide receiver in the NCAA transfer portal. There are certainly some intriguing options. That's in a spring scrimmage recap next on Hawk Central here on 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.
Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. Chad Leistico here of the Des Moines Register, serving as your host for tonight's last dance type of episode as uh, Kennington Smith uh, is in his final Hawk Central Radio hour. Uh, if you missed the details on his next move, make sure to catch the podcast at hawkcentral.com, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. We had some nice reflections in that first segment, Kennington. Now uh, let's move ahead to Iowa football. Spring practice is now done. Uh, we did provide a post-scrimmage podcast on YouTube, so please, uh, if you're listening to this and haven't seen that or heard that, feel free to, to find that on our Hawk Central YouTube page or on our social media feeds. We recapped a lot of details that happened on Saturday. But uh, I wanted to kind of start by uh, looking forward because we both – came away pretty bullish on this Hawkeye team, except a few concerns in, in two areas, offensive line and a second cornerback. But then there's a serious concern still at one area, Kennington, and that's wide receivers. So let's kind of give the folks kind of a state of the wide receiver room for the Hawkeyes coming out of the spring. Yeah, I mean, it's – I was in a really interesting place. I feel like they have a team that is ready-made to – contend well really they should win the the big 10 west in my personal opinion this might be a hot take i feel like they should sweep the west um just looking at what every like looking at what the other teams have in terms of new coaches roster turnovers and the stability that i was coming in with with the majority of their roster the upgrades that they've made at quarterback but they need help on the perimeter and kirk ferentz said as much on the offensive and defensive side you cannot win in college football without excellent skill play on the perimeter. And line of scrimmage play is important, but you have to have playmakers on the outside. I feel like Iowa has that at, at cornerback. The depth isn't quite there. Um, they definitely need some help on the perimeter, on um, the receiver end. We didn't get a chance to see that during spring practice. So I feel like Iowa is like right there on the cusp, but it is imperative that they add something dynamic on the perimeter going into the summer. So, I mean, as, as far as top of the depth chart for the Hawkeyes at receiver, uh, it's Deontay Vines, uh, Nico Ragaini, and Seth Anderson. Uh, Ragaini and Anderson uh, were both hurt for the spring scrimmage. Anderson missed all the spring pretty much with a hamstring issue. And then, uh, you know, I thought Vines, he was the only scholarship receiver available, but I thought Vines uh, looked good in, in, the, in the practice we saw. But we just don't know yet if he's going to be a guy a uh, really good guy or what um, you know Nico's obviously got to stay healthy but you know we we think we know what he is when he's available so Iowa needs probably you know kind of a breakthrough from Anderson you know the walk-ons I would say we saw on Saturday Kennington you know there was a bunch of them <laughs> and it was hard to almost uh, uh, discern uh, you know who was standing out and who wasn't they all kind of made some plays I mean um you know, Alex Eichmann, there was uh, Graham Fredrickson. I mean, guys that, you know, Reese Osgood didn't practice, but we heard good things. Uh, Alec Wick, same thing, heard good things. Uh, there's, uh, you know, Jack Johnson, uh, Caden Weechin, a guy we heard from last year. But I just don't think that, at least at this point, that those guys are going to be definitive answers. So obviously you've got to look in the portal. And I think let's let's give – Glass half full analysis here, Kenny. Can I think I feel okay if Vines, Reggini, and Anderson sight unseen, but uh, you know he's got good stats, good credentials. I feel okay about those three, but you got to get one more from the portal. That feels like 
that is where Kirk Ferentz's mind is as well. I would prefer two more, but he kind of said one. And Kennington, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are about this. There is such a mass exodus right now at Colorado the, from Coach Prime's uh, basically cutting guys, essentially, uh, that this could be an interesting opportunity for Iowa because I, you know, that's a need, and there are guys flooding the portal now at that very position. Yeah, um, you look at you know speaking on Colorado, what they're what they've added to the portal, I guess, which you could, I guess you have to say in terms of departures from the program and Jordan Tyson and Montana Laminius Craig, who was the star of Colorado spring game and then entered into the transfer portal the next day. I feel like those two guys are good fits for Iowa, but more so it's about their body type. So when you're talking about Fines, Ragaini and Anderson, those are potentially good players in a good receiving core, but they're not X receivers. And that's what Iowa needs. They need an X, a bigger body, somebody six, two plus close to 200 pounds plus that can complement the shorter speedy guys that are, that make up Iowa's receiver room. They do have Jacob Bostic, who's a title receiver, but he's been injured. We really don't know what he is. And they're bringing in a few six plus three guys um, via 2023 recruiting class but are they going to be ready to come in and contribute and start immediately at the X spot? We just don't know that yet. So to, to go and get somebody that is proven at the college level, that fits that body type profile that I was really been missing in the receiver room um, because Brody Beck's been, been injured and now he's uh, not on the team anymore. That is um, right. really a specific need that they have to fit. They do need a receiver, but if they can get an X receiver, then I really feel like the offense would have taken a step forward. Well, the the two guys you mentioned from, from Colorado, um, Tyler Barnes has followed them on Twitter. We know that <laughs> based on the uh, Swarm Follows account. Uh, you know, Tyson, Jordan Tyson, uh, 6'2", 180. He averaged 20. These are their two leading receivers, receivers from last year. And Colorado's offense was almost as anemic as Iowa's, uh, by the way. Uh, he averaged 21 yards a catch last year with 22 grabs. He was a redshirt freshman. He's from Allen, Texas, I believe. And then uh, Lamonius Craig, you know, the star of the spring game, as you mentioned, I think he had a 98-yard touchdown pass, and that was on uh, ESPN, uh, an ESPN broadcast in uh, Coach Prime's uh, spring debut in Boulder. He has two years of eligibility. He's from Inglewood, California, 6'2", 185, had 23 catches, 359 uh, yards, and three touchdowns last year. So, yeah, obviously those would be great fits. I'm sure they're going to be highly sought after. And whether you know a guy from Texas and a guy from California would want to come to Iowa uh, remains to be seen. Uh, and then the other guy, Kennington, that that popped in that was definitely eyebrow raising was AJ Henning of Michigan. He was a teammate of Cade McNamara, teammate of Eric All, uh, but he is also kind of in that mold of you know hybrid running back receiver type thing. Um, he's 5'10", 185. But he was a top 100 recruit out of high school and an impact player for the Wolverines in special teams. So I would not uh, be mad at that at all if uh, A.J. Hunting, Henning made his way to Iowa. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's somebody who could be a, an instant impact player. And if Iowa were to use their – if they only have one spot and they use it on him, I would consider that a major win. Like you said, top 100 recruit, somebody who has rapport with McNamara and Eric All. You know he can play. You know he's talented. Obviously, he got recruited by, by Michigan and got playing time there. 
So I feel like that would be a fit as well. And then at that point, you really have to kind of go all in on developing um, Bostic and the two incoming uh, freshmen in the summertime to kind of fit that that X position. So I feel like whichever way they go, if they were to land one of the names that we've mentioned um, so far on the show, I would consider that a win. Um, but I just feel like personally that an X would probably be a better fit for their offense. But um, I was not in a position to turn down any receiver help. So if it is Henning, you get Henning, you develop, uh, you know, Bostic and the freshman. But if you can get, you know, that 6'2 plus receiver and you feel good about the, the complement of shorter, speedier receivers that you have, then um, you're in a good place as well. Yeah, I just keep thinking about this receiver room, Kennington, and it just I feel like they got to have four. You got to have four solid options there because the two tight ends, you don't have to have more than that because you got the two tight ends in Lachey and all, uh, and plus more depth there, which we talked about on our YouTube pod. I mean, just how deep they are with Ostringa, Stilianos, even Hayden Large. Uh, they've got uh, Johnny Jacuzzi. They got plenty of tight ends options. Um, I know it's past Jacuzzi. We just, it's just fun to say Johnny Jacuzzi <laughs> one more time with Kennington. <laughs> Had to do it, man. Uh, but I feel like, okay, let's say you get two out of three hit with Vines, Reggini, and Anderson. So you get two out of three to hit there. And then one breakthrough, let's say, between Bostic and one of the true freshmen. I know that's asking, and, they be, and they'll throw the walk-ons in there too. One. Just one, get one there. Out of that entire group, Bostic, the freshman, and all the walk-ons. Get one, and then get your portal guy right now. And then I think you got four that you can live with. Obviously, you know, health has to be good. But I think it's, I don't think it's far off. And Iowa's just got to make – Iowa does have to get a hit here in the wide receiver room. Uh, that other area we'd mentioned, Kennington, offensive line. I think uh, as we kind of review spring practice, I think we both agree that uh, Logan Jones was probably the best story coming out of spring practice just because he was the healthiest. But uh, seems to be a lot of uh, confidence building around him. But uh, at the same time, you know, most of the expected starters were missing uh, on Saturday with Mason Richmond hurt, Connor Colby. Uh, also hurt. Uh, Rusty Feth not yet on campus, but we think he's going to be a guy. And then Dejon Parker uh, also did not play because he was hurt. Uh, he only got one practice in, and uh, you know he's going to be better and, and ready to go in June. So that was good news. What do you make of kind of everything we heard and saw from the O line this spring? Yeah, I feel like the offensive line is in a much better place. I think that you look at what the offensive line could potentially be in the fall and it is the opposite of what it's been, which is really, really, really young. This feels like it could be a very veteran group going into the fall. If you go left to right, Mason Richmond has had a lot of starts in, in college. He should be ready to go at left tackle. If you put in Kobe at left guard, somebody who like Richmond has been playing and starting since his freshman year, Logan Jones going into his second year of starting, got a lot of reps of all of last season. And like you said, the only one who pretty much made it start to finish healthy in the spring. If you had put Seth in at, at right guard, someone who started at the college level for several years, it's same with Dejon Parker at right tackle. And then behind them, you have Nick DeYoung, and then you have Jennings Dunker and both Stevens, young guys who got yeah. reps uh, last year. Yep. Ellsbury, all of a sudden, you kind of feel like you have the the experience, you have the depth, you have young pieces, you have the you know high ceiling guys who still need to who still need to get some work in as well. Um, what does all of that equal? 
maybe all of that equals an average offensive line. But even if Iowa had an average offensive line last year, they probably would have won the West yeah. because the line was so it was just like so dysfunctional um, that it was just hard to get anything going. So even if they can just take a step forward to average, you got to feel good about where that group is at. So um, got to see a play out. They haven't all been healthy at the same time. So uh, everything that I just said is hinging on a lot of contingencies. Yeah. But at optimal level you feel like the offensive line um, has kind of been retooled a bit. And um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how George Barnett kind of manages all of that. And if they rotate guys or if they just, you know, find their five and roll with it going into the fall. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Right tackle, obviously the biggest concern right now. We just don't know yet if if Parker is going to be that guy. I think there's a lot of options at guard at this point, but uh, again, Got to see what happens. You're listening to Hawks Central from the Des Moines Register and KXNO. This is Chad Leistico talking Hawkeye football for the last time with Kennington Smith. All right, Kennington, uh, let's reflect on some. Actually, first of all, did want to mention one of their offensive line note. I almost forgot this. Uh, some encouraging news. Class of 2025, so it's a ways down the down the path here. But Nikolai Brooks, uh, one of the the top rated offensive linemen in that entire class, six foot seven, 345 pounds has announced he is moving from uh, Buford, Georgia. I think I got that right, Kennington, to uh, yeah. to Cedar Rapids. And he's going to play for Kennedy his final two years of high school. He is down to Iowa, Alabama, and Penn State and says he is committing soon. I would think Kennington, the move to, to Iowa, bodes well for his commitment. And you mentioned to me that Buford, Georgia is a powerhouse or something. So you, you see, yeah. see, it all comes back. It all yeah. comes back yeah. to Georgia yeah. and Iowa. <laughs> It is all it is all few full circle. No, Buford High School is the premier program in the state of Georgia. It's one of the premier programs in the entire country in high school football. They, um, no exaggeration, they graduate at least fifteen players to college football every single year. The majority of those go Power Five. Looking at some of the names from this past year, um, Caleb Downs was one of the number, one of the top players in the country. Justice Haynes, both of those kids are going to Alabama. KJ Bolden is a, is one of the top players in the country in this year's class. Um, Idrick Houston is a top five player in this year's class in Buford as well. Um, you know, the list goes on and on, but he's coming from a very good foundation. That is, uh, it's good to know. that's a really, that's a really, really good program. State championship winning program perennially. And like I said, they put power five kids into, um, into the mix every single year. So he's coming from there. He's of, of good stock. And if he commits to Iowa fans should be really, really excited about what they have in him. All right. Uh, last couple thoughts here out of spring ball, Kennington, uh, let's each pick one. What was your, what was the most encouraging development out of spring ball to you? I think the the most encouraging development is what's happening at the quarterback position. I think for several years now, it's been, can Iowa figure it out at quarterback and can everything else kind of like work around that? I think that there's very little question marks about um, the competency at that position with Kate McNamara and then Deacon Hill coming in and surging to number two uh, on the depth chart and you know, Labor showed that he can kind of manage the game and get a win as well behind a really good defense. So um, I've said, you know, it feels like I say this every every show. History has shown that the Iowa is going to need more than one quarterback, and it feels like for the first time in several years, Iowa has more than one quarterback that can get them a win on on their schedule. Um, so I feel like that's probably the most encouraging development that I saw. Yeah, no question for me. Number one is also just uh, you know, as we mentioned our YouTube podcast, Kennington. 
Yeah, the Cade McNamara acquisition has gone as well as you could have hoped. Uh, obviously, he wasn't 100% and couldn't play 11 on 11 in the spring game, but said he's really close. And the 7 on 7 reps he took, I thought were magnificent. If you go, if you find online some of the clips, just watch the touchdown pass to Deontay Vines uh, in the left corner with like rain coming down and wind blowing. Just an absolute beautiful throw. I mean, red zone passing is something this team absolutely needs. Uh, his accuracy, his footwork, his leadership, all that stuff, super, super encouraging at this point. Uh, I think Iowa has its quarterback uh, for sure. And it's still a big step down to Deacon Hill, no question. But uh, McNamara really looks and feels like the part for Iowa. So my choice, Kennington, uh, after that would be uh, the D-line. I mean, Phil Parker came out and said it on uh, last Thursday that that was the strength of his defense. And uh, just uh, talking to Aaron Graves and just seeing how he's grown to 290 and just how dominant he looks. I mean, this is a backup defensive tackle at this point. Iowa, if they can stay healthy, it can stay healthy. Logan Lee, Noah Shannon, Aaron Graves, uh, Y.A. Black, Jeremiah Pittman, all uh, breakthrough candidates, you know, really good players and breakthrough candidates, I should say. And then you you like your your depth on the edges with Deontay Craig, uh, Joe Evans, you got uh, Ethan Herkett, you got Max Llewellyn and, um, you know, other options coming in off the edge too. So this defensive line is loaded. That's going to be huge for this team, uh, especially as it breaks in uh, a new linebacking core and still tries to solve that cornerback thing. Kirk Ferentz saying uh, they will seek portal help at cornerback. So they're looking for one receiver, one corner in this portal period. All right, we got to run to NFL Draft Kennington. Coming up next, the draft is Thursday, and there are plenty of Hawkeye storylines to follow in the early rounds. We will break down what to expect next on Hawk Central here on 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register in my final segment ever with Kennington Smith of the Register. Uh, so sad. But you know what? I have a feeling you're going to be on our show someday on some topic intertwining Iowa and the SEC. I just totally believe it in my heart. Uh, a little uh, quick note, Kennington, on the basketball portal watch, BJ Mack from Wofford uh, has, has taken his visit to South Carolina, and he said on Twitter that he's done with visits. He had one scheduled with Arkansas. So that kind of leaves, uh, it looks like, South Carolina versus Iowa for the Power Four. So the Hawkeyes still in the mix. Uh, kind of the, the pundits seem to think Mac may be leaning towards South Carolina, but we will see. Just wanted to give you that uh, note. Uh, he had initially said he would decide May 4th. We'll see if that is the case. That is next week. So stay tuned uh, on basketball basketball portal watch all right kennington nfl draft is thursday night uh, we both get into the draft quite a bit uh, i think you're into it even more than i am so <laughs> uh, i'm excited about that another reason you're a great teammate because uh, you know you know we we jive we 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 uh we work well together uh history is possible thursday and friday night uh, and then uh, this is something i kind of dug up iowa could have uh, four picks in rounds one through three which are day one and two picks And that's happened just once under Kirk Ferentz, and that was 2010 with Adrian Claiborne, Pat Anger, Amari Spivet, and Tony Moyaki. And it could have three rounds, one and two picks, which has only happened one other time in the Kirk Ferentz era. Dallas Clark, Eric Steinbach, Bruce Nelson in 2003. If you do the math, those were after two uh, historic Iowa football seasons. 
So this is historic turf, Kennington, and those things could happen this week for the Hawkeyes. Uh, kind of surprised? Are you surprised that they have so many, uh, you know, potential day one and two players uh, given last season? Yeah, um, not really. I think that you knew that I was going to have some defenders that were going to go pretty high in the draft. I think the biggest surprise is that Van Ness has ascended to this top 15 player. I think that we looked at him last year as a potential X factor, but I don't think that anybody really projected that he was going to be potentially a top 10 pick in this year's draft. So that's a bit of a surprise, but I think I expected Jack Campbell to be highly uh, rated. Riley Moss came back for a reason. It looks like he, um, you know, that was a good decision by him. And um, I'm glad that Iowa's offense didn't um, cloud <laughs> NFL teams' visions of who Sam Laporta is. And I think he has a lot to give and a lot to show. He just didn't get a chance to do a lot of that just because of the offensive circumstances. So not too surprising, um, but I think it is really exciting for the program and um, obviously something that I think they're going to be able to leverage uh, in recruiting in this upcoming class. Yeah, just big picture. I do think I feel good about the chances that they will have three guys in the first two rounds. I guess we'll see. Uh, but let's go one by one here, Kennington. We've got to be kind of quick. But uh, Lucas Van Ness, um, you worked on the post uh, about where the pundits think everyone's going to go. I saw him today on Bucky Brooks's uh uh, mock draft going number eight to your hometown Atlanta Falcons. So where where do you think or where do you project uh, that Van Ness winds up? Um, I'll say top 15. I do like to fit with the Falcons, uh, a team that has a pretty deep defensive line, but they don't really have a, a dominant pass rusher. So I think he would be a really good complement to what they have at the interior of that defensive line. Um, so I do like the Atlanta projection, but I think he doesn't make it outside of the top 15. Okay. Uh, I, I kind of hope the Bears trade down from 9 to 12 with the Texans, also pick up the Texans' uh, early second-round pick, and then grab Van Ness at 12 and maybe get some offensive line help later in the draft. So I say Van Ness to Chicago, where his uh, uh, his girlfriend is her, his girlfriend's brother is the tight end for the Bears, Cole Komet. So it's perfect. Uh, anyway, you guys know I'm a Bears fan, so I'm, I'm rooting for that uh, in my heart of hearts. Uh, Jack Campbell, Cannington, middle linebacker, uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Butkus Award winner. What more can you say about him? He could, he could be the first linebacker chosen uh, on either late Thursday or early Friday. Yeah, I think that's the thing to watch with him is, is it going to be him or Drew Sanders from Arkansas? And those guys battled each other for the Buckets Award this past year, in which um, obviously Jack Campbell won. I think it's a little disappointing to kind of see him sliding on draft boards a bit. I think it's more so about the valuation of the linebacker position and less about him as a player. Um, but I think he could fit on a, a multitude of teams I saw on a few mocks of him being projected to the Jets in the second round. I think that would be a really good fit. They obviously have added a lot to their offense. Uh, Robert Sala, head coach there, defensive-minded, insert Jack Campbell into the middle of that defense with Soft Gardner, um, who was their pick last year, arguably the best cornerback in the league already, and all of a sudden you feel good about where the Jets are. So um, I think that would be a really good fit there. Jack Campbell and Aaron Rodgers together at last. <laughs> I've uh, yeah, I think he'd be a great fit in Buffalo. I'd, it'd be interesting to see if the Bills take him uh, late first round. They've got the twenty sixth or twenty seventh pick somewhere in there. Uh, I think watch out for the Bills uh, with Jack Campbell, uh, Sam Laporta, Kennington. We referenced him uh, deep, deep tight end class this year. Uh, and honestly, looking back, last year's tight end class was so weak 
that if he had come out, he might have been one of the top tight ends taken. But uh, he he still increased his stock this year, and it's just a great draft for tight ends. Uh, what do you see from Mr. Laporta? Yeah, one team that I would love to see him land on is the Miami Dolphins. You think about mm-hmm. what they have on offense, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. They did um, let go Mike Gusecki, but if you bring in Sam Laporta, his play style of yards after catch with Waddle and Tyreek Hill, Tua talking about Lowell, what healthy is going to be able to get him the ball, that would be um, an incredible fit. So hopefully he ends up there in Miami. Other teams I think would be a good fit. Detroit, Dallas I think would be a, another good fit as well with Dak Prescott. They love to use the tight ends and that offense as well. So top, those are my top three fits for Sam. Yeah, I've seen Sam uh, mock to the to the Cowboys late second. I feel like that would be a pretty good fit uh, for him. Would not surprise me whatsoever. Um, you know, his his toughness uh, has has helped him rise up the draft boards. I mean, coming back to play in the quote unquote meaningless Music City Bowl after meniscus surgery, you know, and and also being the Wildcat quarterback and breaking all those tackles in that game, um, I think that told a lot uh, to NFL scouts in that one. So, uh, yeah, I think I. I think Laporta gets off the board late second just because of all those things. Some team will have fallen in love with him and not want to miss out on Sam Laporta, uh, who will bring a great locker room presence as well. Riley Moss, Kennington, uh, maybe my favorite story of all these in the draft just because uh, you know we've, I've written about him for so long, I've seen him, uh, you know, listen to people tell me, uh, on Twitter or my text group, just how he doesn't belong on a college football field or whatever. And I would always say he's like a great athlete and has great ball skills. And now that's getting proven out. Uh, Mel Kuyper has said he thinks Moss could go as high as the second round. Uh, where do you, what are you seeing from him in terms of uh, the consensus out there? Yeah. Um, anywhere between second and fifth round, he's kind of the one that's like the biggest fluctuation of where people value him. I think also a question is, Maybe he's higher valued, uh, projected as a safety, maybe than he is a cornerback. Um, maybe a team will draft him high as a cornerback and, and let him have a go at it. But I think he's somebody who's going to be an asset to a team in many different capacities. Um, Los Angeles Rams, Seattle Seahawks, mm. the Giants uh, reuniting him with Dan Dalton. Teams that implement kind of like that zone scheme that he obviously ran really well at Iowa. So a lot of good fits for him across the, the board, I think in terms of like his versatility, the positions that he could play, speed, what he could do on special teams. Um, I think any really any team in the league could get him in and use him as an asset. So it'll be exciting to see where, where he lands. Yeah, the interviews I've seen with him, have, you know, I, I think most teams want him at corner, which is, uh, which is cool. I'd love to see that. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, another one I've seen him mock to. They play a zone scheme under Mike Tomlin, and uh, I could see him staying in the black and gold Kennington. A couple other... Uh, uh, notes to watch, I guess, in the NFL draft. I did, I did a story on the development of these of all four of those guys and how they became potential day one or two picks. And I uh, talked to Ray Braithwaite, Iowa strength coach, about Julius Brents. Um, he's another one that could be a second-round pick, a uh, former Hawkeye who transferred to K-State late uh, in his career. And now he could be uh, – his, his uh, relative athletic score is one of the highest in NFL history. Um, that tells you what kind of athlete Julius Brents was. And Braithwaite said that Moss and Brents were two of the best athletes on the team in their time there. And, of course, Kayvon Merriweather, will he get picked? Will he not? Uh, we'll see. He could be a late-round pick, potentially, Kennington, this weekend. Yeah. 
Um, in terms of Kayvon, I think he's definitely uh, deserving of being selected. Somebody who had a really, really, really strong senior year developed as um, a pass defender. We know that he can tackle really well. And the same point that you made about Laporte is somebody who's going to add something to the locker room from a leadership standpoint. So in my opinion, he is a draft pick. I hope the team um, selects him because um, he's a great kid and he deserves to have his name called this weekend. All right, Kennington. Uh, honestly, as, I, as I'm starting to say this, my heart is uh, uh, getting really sad. But uh, I did want to give you a final goodbye and final words to you from not only me, but from uh, Hawkeye fans everywhere. Uh, this is definitely a day that I selfishly hoped would never come, but I also knew it would inevitably come uh, the day you, Kennington Smith, uh, did your last Hawk Central radio show because it was clear from our first months on the beat together that you were a rising star in our profession. I know I and Hawkeye fans everywhere appreciated your professionalism on the beat, and even though uh, you are leaving Iowa, you definitely left your mark here. As someone on Twitter said correctly, you made the Hawkeye beat a lot cooler. <laughs> uh, it was so impressive to me to see how you had such a firm mastery on Hawkeye football in such a short time, and that came across early on in your writing and in our on-air conversations. In addition to your hard-charging work ethic, you operated from a place of love, always kind to others, to your sources, and you have been a wonderful teammate and friend to me over these two years. I'm thrilled for you personally, that you'll be moving closer to home. I love your mom and dad, and, and uh, thank them, by the way, for the uh, the uh, fried chicken and catfish dinner the other night. That was amazing. Uh, and, and on your way to cover Alabama football, uh, and I believe in my heart uh, that that I and other Hawkeye fans will be seeing you regularly on ESPN, the Fine Bomb Show, wherever you uh, land. And uh, we will definitely, we definitely have not heard the last of you. And uh, one last thing, on a personal note. You referenced it earlier. One of my favorite memories of the last two years was you joining me and my family for Thanksgiving on the night before that Nebraska game back in 2021. Uh, stopped over kind of halfway between Iowa and City and Lincoln. Uh, and I just want to say, man, the house is going to feel empty without you this year. Head of that Black Friday game, but uh, I'll also be really happy for you. Knowing that you're close to home and that you're about to cover your first Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn. So I know Hawkeye fans will be cheering for you, and I know that you and I are friends for life. And here's the last thing. I will see you at Kinnick Stadium soon when Iowa, yeah. the number eight seed, hosts number nine seed Alabama in the 2024 <laughs> college football playoff with the winner, of course, facing number one seed Georgia. That's how it's going to play out. Kennington, right. uh, <laughs> your final Hawk Central thoughts. Go for it. Yeah, well, um, you know, thank you for the kind words. Um, you know, this experience has just been um you know something i wouldn't trade for anything has been just like really surreal it's something that i feel like i've grown so much and like you said um i've gained um uh, you know friend um a family member really i've gained a family member for life in, in yourself um you know my parents love you a lot have a lot of admiration for you and um you know just because of moving away this um doesn't change anything in terms of our relationship we're still going to be talking a lot and i'm gonna um now i have to become a subscriber talk so. <laughs> that's so, right uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so um, you know, I'll be a subscriber, and I'm going to continue to read. And um, Iowa fans can uh, can expect to see me on the timeline tweeting, um, kind of like a fan. Now that I don't cover the team, um, and I have a vested interest in what happens in Iowa athletics moving forward. So, um, you know, this experience has just been dope. And um, you know, I just thank you for everything because uh, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it um, for public consumption. I truly, truly, truly would not have made it 
this far had you not been my partner. First of all, I wouldn't have came out here if you weren't my partner, and um, I wouldn't have made it this far um, without you. So, um, you know, thank you for everything. Uh, but you know, we're going to be talking soon. Oh man, you're making me emotional. Like, it'd be hard to do this close <laughs> of the show, but uh, appreciate you, man. And I know I absolutely know Hawk fans everywhere appreciate you, appreciate you and everything you brought to our lives in the last two years. Thank you again, man. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, thank you again to, to the fans for following along on this journey. Hopefully you continue to, to follow um, along. And, um, you know, it's been real out here. And the love out here at Iowa is very real. It's a special place. And, um, you know, I'm always going to vouch for, for, for Iowa. Uh, <laughs> and um, anytime anybody Good. has anything to say about it, um, you know, anybody, anytime I hear something negative, always in the middle of nowhere, it's cold, it's just that the third, um, you're going to have um, – Somebody to, to send off that hate. There so, you go. Uh, I, I got you. We got an ally now, folks, in SEC country. All right, man. Thank you. Uh, PSA, no Hawk Central radio show next week as we kind of reach a transition period uh, on Hawk Central. I'm on vacation. Kennington moving to Tuscaloosa. But uh, I will be back with you in two weeks uh, on Wednesday night of that week, whenever that is, with undoubtedly lots to discuss in Hawk Athletics. So one last time, this is Chad Leistico, and for the final time, Kennington Smith saying so long on Hawk Central, 106.3 KXNO. Good night, everyone.